Hi, Echo Church. We're beginning a new series today. And thinking about our last conversations and our This Is Fine series about life in the pandemic, our team had thought of going through the book of Daniel, calling it New Normal, because we wondered what was our new normal going to be in this life handed to us with our world full of disease and crisis. And yet, our world has shifted again. But God's word, as we know, is living and active and powerful and moving. And God's history, his love, and his conviction speaks through his word. And today, while different than what we had planned, his word demands to speak truth to us. Because right now in our country, there's cries against inequality, cries against harm, cries against injustice. And they're loud, and they're getting louder, and we should be joining in. A new normal takes on a new meaning, additionally, because now we're being asked, what will our new normal be that's in our control, that is our choice and of our making? And as a church, I sense that let's do this together. Let's ask these questions, because we are experiencing this life and this unrest together as a family. So let's dig right in. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. That's a short sentence, but there is a lot of destruction in this sentence that's summing up. In 2 Kings, you can read all the details about it. But over the course of several years, Babylon swept in to besiege Jerusalem. They destroyed, they ransacked the temple. Then in later years, they burned it to the ground and destroyed the walls of Jerusalem. And we read about Nehemiah a few weeks ago and how he was rebuilding the walls, and that is from this destruction. Now, it also, we need to know that thousands upon thousands of Jewish people were taken captive to Babylon. They took the nobility, the artisans, the officials. They tried to take the best of the best. But even those that they did not want to take to their own country, the poorest of the poor, they enslaved them in their own land as Babylon stayed there and controlled them. So consider, this is definitely a new normal that these Israelites are trying to figure out. How do you live as captives? How do you live as enslaved people? What does that mean for their faith and their life? Daniel, in this chapter, he is one of those taken to Babylon as captives. And that's where we are right now. King Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted to take the best, the brightest young men, and inundate them with Babylonian culture so he could raise them up to believe as he did, so that they could be in his service. Verse 3 through 5. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. We're going to meet these young men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
You might know those last three by their pagan names that they were assigned, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these four young men, teenagers likely, they were given all of this new life. And they went along with learning the literature, learning the language, but they held fast when it came to convicting and compromising their faith. We read this in verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. The king's food would have not been kosher, would have not been according to God's laws and what he asked his people to eat. And Daniel didn't want to defile. That's a, that's a heavy word. It's, an, it's a word that means he is seeking to obey God, and he doesn't want to compromise his obedience to the Lord God Almighty. And so he found an advocate. Verse 9, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told him, I am afraid of the Lord my king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. Though the official seemed to be compassionate and caring for this young captive, he was still very afraid of his very violent king. So Daniel came up with a plan, and he convinced his guard to give him some a test to show that their food choices would be okay. Verse 12, please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. All the vegetarians at Echo Church say, amen. You may know the ending of this story. After 10 days, the four young, handsome men stayed as fit and strong and handsome as ever. And the New International Version is what we read, but there are some other versions that say they were better and fatter than all the youths who were eating the king's food. It was a compliment. So the guard then made everybody vegetarian, took all the wine away, but God showed up. This shows that he was taking care of these young men and he blessed them even further. Let's keep reading, verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge, understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Yes, they were still living in captivity, but God was giving them strength. He was giving them skills to persevere and to even make a difference in the lives of those who were oppressing them. And finally, King Nebuchadnezzar gets a look at them after his three years. Daniel 19. The king talked with them and found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. And every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. There's one last verse in this chapter, and it says how long Daniel remained in captivity. It references a king, and that gives us an indication that his captivity lasted for almost 50 years. There were still many years to go. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear a story, I tend to look at the protagonist, empathize, imagine myself in their place. What would I do if I were in Daniel's shoes? But upon reading this narrative again this week, hit me that my family would likely more relate to the Babylonians than the Jewish captives. 
Because in American history, Europeans came and took over native lands. They stole people from other countries and brought them here to build a nation. And that's my harsh history to have to reconcile with. And right now, that's the mess that we're in today because our nation was built on those sins. I want us to look back through Daniel 1, and I want us to look at three things that communicate to us today in 2020. Number one, I want us to look who is doing the work. And Daniel 1, the young men who were enslaved, they are the ones coming up with solutions to not compromise their own faith. They are having to act. And God blessed them and gave them strength and power. But that's convicting because as a church, we should be supporting, speaking out on behalf of anyone who has to fight for their faith, anyone who has to fight for their dignity. And yet I look and realize that our church in our country, the American church, has not lived up to that, has disappointed, has not showed up again and again to many communities. Derwin Gray is a pastor at Transformation Church, a multi-ethnic church in South Carolina, and I've learned much from him over the years since I first met him in person. And he spoke at a pastor's event this week, and I need to just read his words to you. I'm going to read them fully. For a multi-ethnic church, he said, this is a constant conversation. This isn't new. Rioting and protesting are not over a single event. It has a historical narrative. Derwin said, oftentimes my white brothers and sisters have been quiet. They've been indifferent. They've been apathetic. It should not take an officer's knee on a man's neck for nine minutes to be believed. I've been in this multi-ethnic space for a minute, and this is the first time I've heard some people going, what should I do? Let's go to Jesus. At the bare minimum, it's love your neighbor as yourself. This is gospel. This is good news. This is what a church is called to be. I hope and pray it's more than putting a blackout square on your Instagram, but that people are lamenting, repenting, and learning. If someone says to me, I didn't own slaves, no, no one is saying you own slaves, but the benefit of that you have inherited. As a result of that, we say, if my brother or sister is hurting, the gospel, the compassion of Christ demands that I say, I'm hurting too. How can I be part of the solution? So this isn't a new conversation for me, for the black church. We're just welcoming people to the party now sat and heard his words and went back and watched the video of this event to hear them again and again because they're convicting and challenging and I want to commit as a church let's be part of the solution and if we haven't been so far what more can we do number two besides looking in Daniel 1, we can see that we can act now because it's never too late. In Daniel 1, 9, it says that God caused the official to show compassion and favor to Daniel. That God moved on behalf of his subjugated people and worked through a person of power. The chief official worked for a king who burned Jerusalem and enslaved people. But the official showed compassion on these young captives. It's not too late. People are allowed to change. 
if we've realized that silence is harmful, that past inaction on our own part has supported oppressive systems, then it's time to do the right thing now. Look, one person, notice it took just one person connected to power to open the door for Daniel. Because the guard said yes to the food experiment, Daniel then went on to impress the king. He was later given positions of authority under several kings throughout his 50 years of captivity. And through that position, he was able to enact some changes. It took one person connected to power, and God used that person to open doors for Daniel to bust right through. Let's be a church that opens doors for people. Number three, I want us to have hope because we worship a powerful God who is loving and in control. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they lived in captivity. And this was only the first test we will read about other tests of their faith to come. But God was always present. He was always strengthening them because he sees his people's struggle. He sees our struggle. And for some of you right now, you need to hear these words personally and believe that God sees your struggle. He sees you. He hears your voice. And he loves it. God provided strength for these young men. And even when their captivity was long and painful, that gives us hope that some of you, some of all of us, all of us probably at some point, in some way, have felt captive to our broken world. And he wants to give hope to us. I really love the way Bible scholar Sharon Pace wrote in a commentary I read this week, and I want to read her words to encourage us. She says this, Daniel presents a way to look at the world, a way infused with hope and faith. The stance of the book acknowledges that the world is broken, that individuals and groups may be unjustly singled out, apparently without reason, for suffering. But the faith presented in this book is that things are not always what they seem. Daniel reminds us to consider that the world is created by a good and compassionate God who promises an end to suffering and a transformation of the world. In the meantime, while the waiting may seem interminable, the faithful will remain bound with God by acts large and small that defy cruelty and pain and hold fast to compassion and justice. Let's be a church that offers God's hope so that others may find it. What will be your new normal? Will you and I, together, will we be a part of the solution? Will we open doors for others? Will we hold out hope so that more may know? about Jesus, his saving grace, his love, his strength, his care for the oppressed. Will we join together? Will we stand? Will we listen? Will we learn? Will we protest and change? 
Will we partner together? Let's open our eyes because God has already been moving. For generations in this country, in our city of Cincinnati, he has been moving. Are we ready to take part? He has already likely been moving through you. But are you open to new things in this season that he may have in store for you and for me, for us as Echo Church? What will be our new normal? God, guide us, speak to us. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear. May we act upon your truth. Good morning, friends. Thank you for joining us from wherever you happen to be, whether it's in one of our backyards or still at your house, um, wherever you are. I uh, just want to invite you to uh, just take a couple minutes here to continue to join us in worship um, through a little bit of a different thing than we normally do. Typically, we would uh, get a song going here and, and sing, um, but I think... Uh, we have a little bit of a unique opportunity, and um, this week I was sent a piece uh, from Matt Miller Novak. He's been um, testing out some of his recording capabilities. We were in discussion thinking about you know what we can do remotely here, and he recorded a piano improvisational piece around beautiful things. Um, so it was not necessarily intended to be for this morning, uh, but when he sent it to me and I, and I heard it, it just felt perfect. It felt right. Um, so we're not going to be singing words, um, but what I want to do this morning, just to kind of uh, continue um, the thoughts and um, the depths that we're getting into here, um, is just take some time to reflect, to meditate, and to pray. Um, it should be about five-ish minutes. Uh, and then afterwards, um, we'll have our site leaders uh, close us in prayer. Uh, if you guys want to, feel free to um, just take this time. Let's meditate. Let's think about uh, what God would ask of us um, this week. And um, just how we can more fully dig in to these issues how we can more fully commit to being the hands and feet of Jesus in this world to everyone around us. Thanks for joining us, and uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your love, for your mercy, for your goodness. to see the world, the people in this world with your eyes. As we take some time here to just rest, to focus our hearts and our minds on you, Thank you. 
that our eyes turn to you, that our eyes are adjusted to see this world as you do, that our ears turn to you to hear your voice, the ways you're speaking, the things you're speaking to. Let your justice and your peace reign in our hearts and in this world. 